Hi and welcome everyone to the 105th episode of Serum Rocks. This is Marcus Erlansson and today's podcast will be about Omnichannel and with me today I have EY Kalman from ANS Group. EY Kalman has worked with Dynamics 365 since version 3 over a decade ago. He is an IT geek who loves tech and gadgets. He is also a motorbiker, traveler and former skydiver. He runs his own weekly interview series with people from across the globe, the Oops Factor, and regularly presents at community events. Welcome, E.Y. Kalman. Thank you so much, Marcus. Really appreciate uh, being able to come on the show and spend some time with you. Yeah, how are you doing today? I'm good, I'm good. It's been a slightly quiet weekend. We did some IKEA furniture building and some gardening. <laughs> uh, all the joys of weekends, as people have it. And being a Monday that we're recording today, now back at work and trawling through all the emails that I've received over the weekend. So, joys of life, which I'm sure are familiar to lots of people listening to this. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they are. What's an oops factor? And, and what's your oops factor? Well, what's an oops factor? So some years ago when I was deciding to do a show because I'm I'm quite quiet and slightly introverted at times and I decided I wanted to speak about something. I didn't want to talk about it myself. I wanted to get other people to talk about stuff. And I was thinking everybody does shows that praises all the great things, tech or non-tech, that we do. So me starting a show like that would be a bit of a waste of time, really, because who's going to listen to my voice talking about those sort of things? So I thought, let's come up with a show with a difference. And I was out with some friends. This was back in 2019, late 2019. And we were out at a pub, yeah. uh, the Power Platform, some Power Platform people gathering in, in the UK and Mark Smith, and was he was still in the UK at that point. And we were banding around ideas. And I went, what about a show in which people talk about their failings? And people went, oh, that sounds interesting. Nobody really talks about their failings. And I said, and I started to think of names, scribbling them down on, you know, sort of the um, disposable beer mats. And I thought, we can't call it the failure show because that doesn't do it. And we can't, can't call it the show about things that suck because that <laughs> doesn't sound good. You know, I was, I was using the sort of six, seven people with me as a focus group. And I thought, yeah. what about the oops factor? Because... It's the sort of very family-friendly way of saying when something's gone seriously wrong and the shit's hit the fan, yep. and you go, oops. But I can't, I couldn't call it when the shit hits the fan show because that's no. not family-friendly, and obviously on, on YouTube and stuff, it wouldn't look good in the title. So we call it the oops factor, and it's about those things that happen when you go, oops, or you use a different word instead of oops. But that's, that's what the oops factor is about. It's about people sharing times of when basically things have screwed up and lessons learned from it and why they have it so we don't repeat it and we can learn from other people's mistakes because as i'm sure you know yourself we do better by failing and failing fast so we can learn from not only our own mistakes but other people's mistakes to hopefully do as best as we can so what would you say is one of your oops moments then well i've had lots of them over the years some some small and some large the one that i normally reference in the tech sector is back in my early days of of it and i've been doing it in one way or another since my teens but in the first microsoft company that i worked in microsoft partner with crm which introduced me to dynamics 3.0 i was on 3.0 for about three weeks and then we got (laughs) 4.0 but we had a client and the client spent lots of money on hardware these of course are way before the days of cloud this was all on premise and they had a an amazing sql server farm 
I was used to a single SQL Server machine because Dynamics CRM 4.0 needed to be installed. They had, I mean, you could install everything on one box or you can install it on different boxes, but you needed to have SQL boxes to install things on because obviously it was the database. And they just didn't have a SQL machine. They had a SQL farm, which I don't know how much they had spent on it, but it was, you walked in this room, you had blinking lights all over the place, fans humming away. It was great. It was like hardware heaven. Asked if I could run some games on it. We chuckled at. And we had a production system and we had a test system. Best practice, right? We also had a dev system, but that was back in our office. We had our own dev and UAT and then test boxes. But this was at the client itself. We had a test box in place. Different URLs different report servers because you need a report servers different everything really as far as i was concerned and i had to do an upgrade on the test system yeah and this was an upgrade yeah 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 i can hear you chuckling in the background right so this was an upgrade that was about and we needed to install a new sql server patch and i thought right we've got production system i'm not going to touch that we've got an update to dynamics which i need to install on the test system so i opened the installer wizard Love, love those SQL Server update wizards. So I opened the application and gave it the SQL Server details, and away it started to chug. And about three seconds after I hit the start button, after putting in all the details and the authentication and all the rest of the ports and everything else, because nothing was ever simple in those days, um, I suddenly hear in the I'm in I'm sort of in the IT space in the office, and there are several different rooms there of the client, and there's there are noises. People are like, what the heck is wrong with the system? And these were people quite blunt, so heck is probably a very polite way of saying it. And they're like, the system's down. I'm thinking, huh, nothing to do with me. They're, they're doing a load of other systems. They're, they're talking about all their other systems. And they're like, everything's down. And I start to get that creeping feeling. And the IT guy, lovely chap, his name was Nilish, really knew what he was doing, went to investigate. And came back and went, are you busy doing anything? So I said, yeah, I'm installing a SQL Server patch. And he went, on what system? And I went, on the test system. And then they went away and double-checked all the details for the test system. And it turned out that in one very crucial matter, the test system was using the SQL Server farm. It wasn't separate. Yay. And no. I took down the entire SQL Server farm, right? Yeah. Took down the entire SQL Server farm for about an hour and a half because you couldn't stop the install, the update, and then it needed to restart, and then they needed to bring everything back up. So this was about mid-morning or so on a Wednesday. It was a busy day. Yeah. Um, let's just say they had a very, the staff had a very long coffee break and yes, that was my menu because I couldn't stop it rolling. Now, in my defense, I had requested all the details and we had advised them to set up everything totally separate. And they said that they had, and they had provided us with all the details and I didn't compare because we'd already been on the client for several months. Yeah. And I didn't need to compare. So that was probably, yes, why whenever I do updates now, I check that indeed it is for the right system and why when people set up. We advise clients we need to set up multiple environments, all the rest of it. We double and triple check goes. I thought it it was uh, the store was going to be worse that you sort of mistakenly had put production instead of test environment, and then you're like, oops, my bad. But no, 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 I'd I'd done everything by the book correctly, I documented it all. It's it was just, yeah, and and to say that this client, I'm based in the UK, and to say that this client did trade in the millions of pounds an hour would not be an underestimation. Yeah. 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 Then you're like, yes, sir. I brought down the company, their entire company, and it turned out their phone system and their accounting system and everything else because everything was running on the SQL Server farm, which was a very, very good SQL Server farm. But 
failing over wouldn't work because you couldn't tell it to fail over because as far as the failover was concerned, it was still running. Yeah. The primary was still running without a problem. Yeah. What would you say that it is that you do? What do I do? Well, that depends who you ask. You know, if you would ask my wife, uh, she would say that I don't do enough around the house and don't take enough <laughs> care of the kids and don't take them out for enough outings. But she is very sweet and she does a lot. Uh, technically, my job title is Dynamics 365 and Power Platform Solution Architect, which is a mouthful. And when people ask what it means, I say, I look out of the window and think up things that we can implement. So what do I actually do? I run client projects and I take the concepts that they want in business ideas and I dive deeply into what they're wanting and I ask lots and lots and lots of questions. I, I'm a big uh, fan of the phrase, the five whys. The first time you ask somebody why, you never get the proper answer. It could be a answer. It's not going to be the proper answer. So you keep asking why. And after about four or five times, you get to it. Um, but I, I get all the answers necessary. And then I, together with my team, design a system that will work perfectly or as close to perfectly as possible for the client. And we play this back to the client and we, we actually do this on, we, we hold sessions on a weekly basis with a client. We do not work in a waterfall way. We work in a, well, Neil Benson would refer to it as wagile because it's not pure, pure agile, but it's, uh, it's as close to agile for, as we can do. We have weekly iterations, weekly sessions, moving functionality of the system and clients generally like it once they get used to it. So I think up system concepts and help implement them and get customers to work better. Wagile, I like that term. It's like the, the worst of agile and waterfall combined. Well, I yeah, it's it's not pure agile because we don't do, you know, daily scrums and, and stand ups and stuff and, and that we're a bit looser, which is why when I was chatting to Neil Benson a while back around it, he term he coined the term wagile. It's got a couple of elements of water, yeah. but we try and be as agile as possible because it means, you know, if if it's the first week of the month and the client says X and we start building out X and then we have a session the following week on the second week of the month and the client says, actually, they thought about it. They want to change it. We say, right, OK, so we change it and we change it immediately, almost yeah. immediately, rather than waiting three, four months for playback. And then it's probably a bigger task to change things. All right. We're customers all the time. What's your last memorable customer experience as a customer? On a Dynamics project or in general? Oh, in general. <laughs> Well, I buy a lot off Amazon. I send a lot of it back, but I buy a lot of Amazon. So Amazon customer service are generally pretty good. Uh, generally pretty good. It does depend on the day and the time. Depend depends which center you get through to. But I've had conversations with customers whereby we're debating which fruit is better for the season. There's a, not 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 with me, but there's actually a very famous story of customer service from Amazon where the customer wanted to role play as uh, Thor and Loki. So the customer okay. service rep was Loki and the customer was Thor and they role played. You can go look it up afterwards. Um, okay. <laughs> but in terms of customer, I, I believe, and this is why I, I have an interest in Omnichannel, which of course we're going to talk about, but in exemplar customer service in today's market whereby verticals can be oversubscribed and can be, you know, more than 100% saturation it's about the customer it's the customer service that differs and differentiates an organization from a competitor and it's about customer service that enables customers to be repeat customers and to be loyal to the brand or the make yeah i i just have to look up this conversations with four okay all right let, let's try to add that to the show notes i'm not sure if i can find some audio for this but uh uh, there, there is the... no audio. There are there are screenshots around of it. It, it got famous a couple of years ago. 
Yeah, Business Insider has one because, yep, let's add it to the show notes and see so everyone can find it easily. If we go to omnichannel, it's an industry term, but, or what, it's at least it's not a dynamics term. So, what would you say that omnichannel means? So, omnichannel is not a dynamics term, it's not a Microsoft term. Its origin is actually in the Greek. Omni comes from omnis, which is Greek for all. So really, it's omnis channel, meaning all channels. And it's it's put together, the single word is, is omnichannel around it. And the aim of it is, if you think of an organization which has multiple points of contact with customers through different mediums, it's about bringing that experience together. So to expand in that, if you think traditionally of an organization, you could contact them via phone. So they've got a team, customer service team that's handling phone calls. They could contact via social media. So Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, possibly Instagram, one of the other ones. So they've got, they got a social media team that's handling those interactions. They could contact via email. You've got a team handling email interactions. They could contact via the customer website via a chatbot or filling in a form on the website. So you've got a team handling that etc, etc. They could use WhatsApp, they could use a variety of other communications. Each one of those is a channel. And if you look at large organizations, generally they would have implemented, they would have bought bespoke systems for each one. So they would have a system for handling phone queries, say Cisco, for instance. They would have a system for handling Facebook. They would have a system for handling LinkedIn. They would have a system for handling WhatsApp. They would have a system for handling emails, probably Outlook or something similar. They have different systems. Some of, them, some of them could be Microsoft, but a lot of them are probably off-the-shelf products that they bought by companies that make it specially for it. And they've got to train up the teams on them. And traditionally, they'll have separate teams. If you send an email in and then you call about that, you're probably not going to speak to a member of the same team because they'll specialize. Local authorities, for instance, local councils really go down this route that they have a team that specializes in the waste, customer service for, you know, your rubbish wasn't collected, call up for it, you speak to a team around that. You've got a problem with your taxes. You speak to a different team. They're separate. They're disparate. They're not joined together. And there are issues with that. Number one, you're paying a lot of money for a lot of different systems. Number two, you're going to pay maintenance on those systems. And if they're on-premise, they're not hosted in the cloud. You're going to pay hardware and maintenance and, and all the rest of that for the runtime. You're going to pay for training for people. You're going to have different teams. Even if you can manage to take a single team or a couple of teams and train them across multiple things, they're going to use multiple pieces of software. That means you've got to train them on multiple pieces of software. When somebody onboards, they've got four different pieces of software to learn. That takes time to learn each single one. It's different. Data is put in differently, all the rest of it. So it's not cohesive. It's not efficient for organizations. So when Microsoft was looking at this a while back, they thought, how can we enable things to be better? And the concept of Omnichannel is that no matter how the customer interacts, it comes into a single interface in Dynamics. So if I send a Facebook message to an organization with Omnichannel installed, or I send a WhatsApp message, or I communicate in one of the other dozen or so or more integrations that there are, for me, I'm using different tools to do it. I could be Facebook Messenger and WhatsApp on my phone and LinkedIn on my computer, all of that. But for the customer service agent, the other end, they get the communications in exactly the same way in one single system. So Omnichannel, from a dynamics point of view, is doesn't matter what system you're needing to integrate with, it all comes in for the end agent, that customer service representative, in one way. This is the main benefit, because you do not need to cross-train on multiple different pieces of software. You train on one piece of software, which is Dynamic Omnichannel for Dynamics 365. You 
don't need to worry about data being saved in different ways and input in different ways. It's all in the same thing. And because it's all in one system, you don't have silos of data. So if I called my local authority, say that they were using Omnichannel, and I could speak to somebody about waste, I could speak to somebody about taxes, I could speak to somebody about the road, it's all stored against my user profile as a local citizen, the contact record, and it's all there, which means that if three weeks later I call in, it doesn't matter who I speak to, if I've spoken to them before or not, they can see all of the information for all of my interactions. They don't need to go into different systems and work it out. They've got it all there to hand and they can search it and see my history. So they're served with a holistic view of the customer, which helps them to be able to serve the customer better. Because I'm sure you've experienced, you've called up an organization and you sent them an email chasing something. You know, where, what is the status of my order? And you don't hear back for three weeks and you give them a call and they say, hold on, I've got to log into a different system to try and find out who was dealing with it. Oh, they didn't seem to update it with your last email. Yeah. Can you tell us the details again? I'll take it down over the phone. So you take it down over the phone and you send another email a week later and say, oh, hold on a moment. We can't find details of the phone call that you had. Well, who's entering the data? Where are they entering it? As a customer, it's not my responsibility as an organization. It's not efficient in any way. Entering data, the same piece of data into multiple systems so that different teams can have access to it. That's not efficient. Omnichannel brings it all together into one place. It's on Dataverse. All the data is there. Companies can put analytics on it and see stats as they want to, which is great. And they're able to get all that information. And the customer service agent is therefore able to serve them accordingly. Now, you can, of course, have specialized teams and you can set that up. You know, if I think uh, the example that I use is I talk about motorbikes a lot, right? So motorbikes, you've got sales, you've got customer service, you've got servicing, and you've got after, you know, after sales and all that sort of thing. If I've got a call about the warranty on my bike, I can contact somebody who, using Omnichannel and they can surface it within Omnichannel to an agent who has that information. So you can have specializations within it. It's not everybody is just generic and the system can allow different skills to be set up and levels of skills, but it's all there. All the information is there available. So that is what it means for dynamics. What would you say are your client's most requested channel? So it depends on the sector that the customer is in. Usually, for the most part, they want to have things like WhatsApp because especially the younger generation I said that respectfully, but I'm in the late 30s now, um, is mobile first, so they could be on WhatsApp, and Facebook. Instagram is then slightly after that. But those are the sort of main capabilities that they're wanting. There are then others that they can surface out as well. There's the ability in certain parts of the world. So in the Far East, they use a system called Line, so organizations out there would use that. But uh, for the most part, the, the immediate one is, I want to be on social media. I want to interact on social media, Facebook, Twitter whatsapp things like that that's then turns down to one sort of chat part in omnichannel because for omnichannel that's merely just the same from the um what do you call it a service actor point of view yeah the customer service the the agent the customer service representative whatever but uh, from the agent's point of view they can know where it's coming in from because it will tell them in the system the origin, but they treat all interactions exactly the same. But phone must be treated differently from chat, right? Because then you have to talk to someone. You don't really do that over WhatsApp or Messenger, or perhaps you do. (laughs) So you're very right. So before we get to the actual phone, there's also capabilities, which I mentioned, if during chat, you can call someone directly within the interface. So if I'm chatting with you, through Facebook, for instance, or through a a chatbot, and you're not understanding, I can actually initiate a voice call, digital voice call, 
to talk to you, or even a digital video call that I could show you something or see what you're trying to do. But that doesn't answer the question of what happens if somebody wants to pick up the phone and call in. Now, when Omnichannel launched initially, it had only a couple of capabilities, which they built on over time. And at the moment, in private preview, it's not public preview yet, it's supposed to go GA towards the end of, of this year, 2021, there is the voice channel, which is built on Azure Communication Services, ACS. And that will allow things like call centers, which are normally these sort of places that are handling these things, to be able to receive incoming phone calls and react to them in the same way. They would talk through the interface. So just as at the moment a chat would pop up in the interface, a phone call would pop up and they would answer it through their headset. Yeah. So it will give the capability for it. It's taken a bit of time coming because of everything that's needed to connect under the hood. Because then voice, then that could actually be, I mean, you can call someone on WhatsApp, so that could be there. You can call someone on Messenger. I mean, for goodness, I don't know, Skype and actual phone calls could be the same type of experience as all of those chat messages coming in or sorry, chat channels coming in as just chat for the agent. Yes. So it would be, the, the experience will be slightly different and I'm going to be having a series of blog articles coming out around it uh, in the near future. But unlike chat, whereby you can surface questions, for instance, like motorbike, what motorbike do you have? What model? When did you purchase it? What's its warranty and things, which can then be surfaced up to the agent. So like a pre-survey questions uh, with voice I don't believe it works like that. You would call in, you would get put into a queue. You maybe you could do call routing. You know, do you want sales? Do you want after sales? Do you yeah. want customer service, etc.? But you wouldn't be putting in any other information. You would get through, and then that person wouldn't triage you and direct it as necessary or deal with it themselves. Yeah. Would you say that Omni all channels is that like a vision for Dynamics Omni Channel? They want to cover all channels. It's a good question. As I said, when they launched, they had a small number of channels and third parties allow integration with other ones. So, for instance, there's text capabilities, SMS capabilities, which to date have been provided through the likes of um, of Twilio, for instance, uh, as an integration. Yeah. Over time, Microsoft is creating capabilities themselves to be able to have it direct within the Microsoft stack rather than needing third party integrations. Will they cover all channels out there? There are so many different ones, probably not just the most popular ones, I think, depending, again, on whether they think the effort is there. But there is something called the SIF, or the Channel Integration Framework. And what this is, this is a framework that allows developers to code into it. So as long as a system has an API, you are able to create a connector between them and surface it through into Omnichannel. So if you had a system that you had created yourself, uh, I don't know, you had a small specialized app that you would give to your customers, you could then, you know, surface communications from that through into the Dynamics 365 Omnichannel experience so that agents okay. would be able to respond. Could it be custom made for a customer or is it more of a generic integration framework that you have to have approved for by Microsoft or could you make it just, okay, this is just for them. You can do it on a customer basis. You don't have to have it approved by Microsoft. Again, it's a Microsoft framework. So you would need to connect to the Microsoft framework. 
yeah and then have your data flow through but as long as in my experience and in talking with others around it as long as your system has an api you can custom develop that to do it so for instance if you were a national healthcare provider and you had an app for people to be able to you know see their medical records and see their details you could put capabilities within there to connect in so people could live chat with an agent from your actual device uh, from your own app so people could download your app from the app store and communicate directly with a support agent through it yeah you have a portal somewhere in some way then you add a chatbot over there and if they escalate it from there then you get to the agent right that would sort yep. of be the target that you want to do so it's interesting that you mentioned that you mentioned that because chatbots as in power virtual agents yes. have the native capability to if you connect it up you need to enable it and, and perform a bit of customization sorry a bit of configuration but can ask you if it doesn't understand can actually surface it to a live agent so you don't need to do any coding there yeah if you're using a power virtual agent so you could have a power apps portal for instance not you could just have a regular power virtual agent chatbot on your website and if it didn't understand it could give the option to surface it to a customer service agent and respond all within that same interface yeah and that can then send them to the agents that work in omnichannel right Yes, that would send yeah. it to an agent who's logged into Omnichannel with the information around it. Power Virtual yeah. Agent can pass some information along and the agent can then respond. Yeah. Omnichannel comes with its own license. So it's not really licensed by Dynamics 365 customer service. I'm not going to get too deeply into licensing because licensing changes from time to time, as we well <laughs> yeah. know. And, and the licensing guide is a, is a marvel of 463 pages to read. Good bedtime reading for anybody who can't fall nice. asleep. Nice, you got it down to the page, right? Yeah. Well, you know, the last version. I don't know what the next version will be. Yeah. Um, so at this point in time, in order to get Omnichannel, there are two things you need to have. You need to have a customer service enterprise license as a base. And then you need to have an add-on. And the add-on is either the digital chat add-on, which gives capabilities just for chat interface, it's like uh, like like chat uh, on the website. You you know it says, do you want to speak to an agent? Click here, and it will give a, a live chat, a bit like the Amazon one. Or digital messaging, and digital messaging gives you access to all of the channels. So at this point in time, you need to have the customer service enterprise as a base, and then one of the two on the top, and that's all you need. Well, yeah, I say that's all you need. It's not exactly cheap, but uh, that's you don't need any server licenses or anything else. That's all you need for it. So it's all online licenses like the other Dynamics online services. You don't pay for operating systems or services like that. You nope. you pay for this per user-based license. Yes, yep. that's correct. Right um, now. And we're recording this on the 23rd of August and it's scheduled to be published at the 14th of September. So hopefully not too big changes from now until then it's it's stayed the same for the last almost two it was announced on the channel first came out around two years ago it's been the same for that um part of the feedback that i have given to microsoft is it's not just about customer service if i want to interact with sales digitally for instance they would need that customer service license so perhaps in the yeah. fullness of time they may expand it and split it out into its own proper skew and then organizations can purchase it but at the moment it is just customer service focused yeah um all right then so we have this 
omnichannel, and that's just for online. But we used to have this client that we could install, the Unified Service Desk, right? Ah, UST, Unified Service Desk, yes. Yeah. So how does these two compare? It's a very good question and one that I'm asked semi-frequently. So there are differences in the actual products. Number one, Unified Service Desk needs to be installed locally. It's an application that needs to be installed and run on your computer, and you can't run it in the cloud. It's not cloud-based. Omnichannel, on the other hand, for Dynamics 365, is absolutely cloud-based. So that's the first difference. I'm not going to get into the licensing and the licensing costs. Leave aside to say that, uh, we'll just leave it to say that Unified Service Desk is not cheap by any stretch of the imagination. But more importantly, within Omnichannel, you have the agent interface, you have the chats that they can handle, and we'll come on to how they handle that shortly, I believe. But you can also service different tabs, just like a browser. You could have multiple tabs, but you can have tabs within it. So you can have a tab with the contact details open. You can have a tab with account details and a tab with knowledge base articles and other cases that you can look up a reference information. You can switch between them all whilst interacting with that chat. You can even access other websites, but you have to access something that's publicly available in a browser. So you can access Google or Bing, or something else, you can access that within the omnichannel agent experience. That's fine. What you cannot do is you cannot access an on-prem system. So if you have a legacy, on-prem, hard-coded system, you cannot service that within omnichannel. Omnichannel is only about things within Dynamics 365, multiple tabs, that works, switching between them, or within publicly accessible websites, again, such as search engine. Unified Service Desk, on the other hand, you can have multiple things open and running at the same time, including and specifically on-prem systems. So if you have a legacy on-prem system, say an accounting system that's installed, you've got your own server, it's all you know installed on there and your own client on each machine, you can have that open in Unified Service Desk along with all of your other bits and pieces. Omnichannel cannot do that. So as I usually say to people, you can surface Omnichannel within Unified Service Desk, you cannot service Unified Service Desk or any other application, you know, on-prem application within yeah. Omnichannel. And that's really where the main difference is, apart from, of course, licensing and the costs associated. Would you say that they are targeting different types of customers or would you say one is better than the other? I think that they target slightly different bases of customers. There are customers with Unified Service Desk who would use Omnichannel and surface it within Unified Service Desk. but with organizations more moving towards the cloud, I think at some point Unified Service Desk is likely to fall away. Can't say for sure, but I think it's probably going to go by the wayside at some point, whereas I believe Omnichannel would be around to stay. And I'm thinking perhaps if you have like legacy ERP system that are these Win32 applications that you install on your computer, you run it from there, it's a client that accesses some database somewhere, then yep. that's obviously good for a unified service desk. But if it's just online, and you said publicly available sites, so you can't have anything that's behind logins. Not... It needs to be something that it's done within the system configuration. So it can't be something that's not hosted as a website. So you could have something that's hosted as a website with a login for it, oh, right. but you couldn't have... Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of an example. You can, for instance, browse it as a file explorer into an FTP site All right. or, or stuff but, like that. There are limitations around the capabilities for it. But for, say, if you have some other site that you also sign in with your 
Office 365 account. So it's basically a single sign-on from if you're logged into Dynamics, you're logged into there, then that would obviously go be possible to do. It should work. We've seen it's some hard. scenarios where it doesn't always work, but uh, it, it should work. But if for some reason it doesn't, you can always open another browser tab, proper browser tab, and just go yeah. to it. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, of course, it can be all kinds of things that it doesn't allow framing. It doesn't, yeah. yeah. Um, so would you say that omnichannel is hard to set up as in, okay, we start a project implementing this and getting the first user going? It's an interesting question. When omnichannel first launched and for a while afterwards, it had you needed to understand the product. It was not simple to set up. With the latest release, so the Wave 1 2021, it's changed the interface. So it has a nice configuring it and installing it to begin with takes less time and is easier to do, although there's still some steps you need to go through. <laughs> um, but then it gives a nice little wizard for getting your first chat up and running, whereby you give it a couple of bits of information, then it can do that. And it gets it up and running and you can interface with it. However, for a for an organization to properly implement omnichannel, they need to A have somebody who actually understands omnichannel in depth and the configuration and the customization part of it, and B properly know what they're wanting to do. It's not something that should take minutes, although it's not something that would take weeks. Yeah. But there's a lot of upfront requirements gathering and again things like integrating with Facebook and other stuff. There's stuff that needs to be set up on Facebook or on Instagram or the other messages and, and channels and such. So there's there's configuration work needing to be done within Omnichannel as well as external to Omnichannel to get it all tied together. And that does require a decent level of expertise on the Omnichannel side and on whatever channel they're trying to integrate and obviously the people responsible. But if you set aside this channel integration framework, would you say that it's mostly customization on configuration and not as much uh, or perhaps just configuration then uh, and not as much development and uh, we need a new table we need something new columns there it's more okay we need to connect all these systems okay so what i was referring to there is all the out the box when i say out the box but all the stuff that comes with it that's not yeah. anything with a channel integration framework um if we think of whatsapp for instance we need to authenticate as a whatsapp business account there need to be authentication codes uh, there needs to be a couple of other bits and pieces done in customization and you know it, it's done through configuration data yes. on it but things like secrets and keys exchanged and being able to authenticate that it is what it is uh, things like Facebook are even more difficult because you need a Facebook business account, You need, which should, organizations would already have in place. But then you need to, again, have things set up. And also in order to avoid, specifically in the case of Facebook, to avoid uh, things like spam and other things, you need to go through a variety of hoops on the Facebook side for authentication. So right. it can take several days for it to go through because they don't they put delays in on their side for it. You know, it take, once you initially set it up, it takes 24 hours on the Facebook side to propagate through for various things like that. Um, if you're using SMS, for instance, through third-party providers, you need to, again, get the keys and just confirm that you're not going to be spamming and, and things like that. So yeah. I have set up organizations with basic stuff. So web chat is the easiest because that's literally you set it up, you say what the chat wants to be, you can customize the widget, and then you take a snippet of HTML and you embed it in a web page. And it's there. So I have set up organizations just with web chat within the space of a day. 
nice. or less. If we talk about the user interface, we, we just touched on it before. So it's different from the sort of ordinary dynamics because now we have some tabs on the left or sessions <laughs> and then we have sort of, okay, we have tabs on the top that represent information about the session that we're into. Do you know why the difference is here? Yes. So traditional dynamics, if you think of sales and customer service and that, is what they refer to as a single session. I'm interacting with a contact record. I open the contact record. I want to go to the account record. I'll click through to the account record. I could open up another tab, but I can only own one piece of information. I'm only interacting with one page, one bit of information on the page at a time. Then we have what we call multi-session. A multi-session started with the omnichannel agent experience, which is the app that agents use for omnichannel. Uh, and now it's also moved into there's a customer service app as well which is a, a lighter version of it. And the aim is, as a customer service agent, especially when you're interacting with chat, there could be pauses. You know, somebody's going away to look for a piece of information. Yeah. So they have what we refer to as capacity. So an agent could be handling several chats at the same time. So the interface needed to change because we needed the capability to switch between the different chats that are going on, the different sessions. So this is why they redesigned it. So on the left-hand side, we have each session there. Now, a new agent may only be able to handle one or two. A very experienced agent could handle four or five. And again, depending on what it is, we can set the capacity and the resources for it as well. But that's how they can switch between it. And each time they switch between it, they get all the information relevant to that single interaction then in the main screen. So the chat, the contact record, any cases that are there, any accounts, knowledge base article, and they can flip between those tabs at the top with that information. And that's why it's there. It's the cleanest interface, really, for customer service agent. So you, you spend some time on customizing these pages. So you actually know that the agent who gets this call or this session gets the relevant information. So something about the contact they're chatting with, something about, I don't know, the cases, the activities, the whatever you have as the client then. All that comes out the box as standard. We don't need to do any configuration around it. All right. But if you have some custom information, I don't know, some table that yeah. keeps relevant data done. So what you can do with the tabs at the top is by default, it will open up. You've got your chat session there, and then it will open up the you know the summary of the customer. You can set another tab to open knowledge articles and a third tab to open cases and other things like that. You can search with some of the information directly from the customer summary screen. So you have those tabs at the top again. If you wanted to link to a search engine and put it in there, you could do that or a variety of other things as well. But yeah. uh, by default, all the information is there in the front. And you can agents are able to click to open new tabs just as you would within a browser. It's just that if a new session came in, they wouldn't automatically be there. Yeah. So it's about what's best for the agent. All right. Would you say that to, to use Omnichannel, you have to have some routing, perhaps even unified routing here? Or, or is that a part of the omnichannel app? So omnichannel uses routing through the system. And now obviously we have unified routing, which is the big brother to it. And you do not have to use it. Okay. You can have, if you've got a small customer service team, small organization, you're probably unlikely to use it. But if you have a large organization with specializations, 
again things like sales or customer service or you know if you're interested in cars is it a sports car is it a pickup truck is it a, a big truck heavy goods vehicle style thing you're going to want specialized teams to handle that so what routing allows you to do is using things like you know when you open a chat widget and it says you know what are you interested in today you can fill in details it can present you with details which you set up then the customer is presented them and they can select which ones they want and using that it can then route through to appropriate people or for instance if you're a multinational company and you're interacting in specific languages you could have people with skills say they're skilled in english or they're skilled in japanese so if a japanese customer will contact and say my language is japanese it can route it through to a japanese customer service agent who's got that skill for japanese associated with them so for larger organizations it makes sense rather than having a first-line customer service who are handling every single call you might want that you might not want it it allows you to route it through to the appropriate person based on that so have you used it and do you think that this unified routing is better or improved than the sort of old what do you call it old routing uh, just just routing routing oh sorry in- yeah <laughs> it's fine in english routing. in english we say routing in, yes in, in other places they say routing yeah um i don't know it's a bit like you had the you know in general the interface and now you have the unified interface um oh. <laughs> in, in general dynamics um there are more capabilities it's uh it gives more capabilities for it which is much nicer um it can be somewhat more complex to set up it's you know again additional technical capabilities that come over time so it's definitely nice and we have used it unified routing it's part of customer service right so yes that that's where you get that license to that one all right yes so because you're you've got a customer service enterprise license as a result you get access to everything within customer service yes so you touched on a little bit here that well if you have a big organization you have this or that could it also be that this could handle um, perhaps if you're a big enterprise customer you have global business rules that you want to apply and then of course every local i mean perhaps here in sweden we obviously it's better than everyone else so we want it slightly different than everyone else do you handle this in omni channel as well or how do you feel about that so it is possible to configure certain things such as based on the location that the user is coming from for instance as to where to route it to but that route you know there are global rules which could route it but you would need to be setting up specific teams of people so you have the ability to set up a team you know with certain skills associated and then associate agents to that team so you could set up a team for motorbikes and a team for speedboats and a team for aeroplanes and stuff you could set up for languages as well and obviously based on the criteria that you want to set you could do that it does get complex which is why i always suggest that you get somebody who's very familiar with how the system works to actually implement it because you don't want to implement it in the wrong way but from a global perspective it's definitely possible to do in fact some of the capabilities leaving aside the routing of things it's possible for agents to transfer sessions between themselves so if for instance you were talking to an agent and the agent had to leave for whatever reason and they were based in london they could hand over to an agent in south america they could consult with a specialist in japan all within that same interface the customer would never see it unless the agent made it visible but they can do that and even better there are ai capabilities using azure services so you can translate things like languages so for instance if you're a small company you're selling a product on an international basis you're going to have customers abroad who don't speak your language particularly well if anything at all 
So what you can do is using Azure Cognitive Services and hooking that up through the configuration of it, you can automatically translate backwards and forwards. So for instance, you could write to me in Swedish and it would appear for me in English with the Swedish underneath, and I could type back in English and it would appear to you as the customer in Swedish. Very nice. Very nice. So it's, it's about 98% accurate. There are some like local nuances and local dialects it doesn't always get or the syntax always get, but it's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, these AI capabilities improve all the time, so why not? And especially in these chat sessions that we talked about earlier, then it could be really helpful translating everything into English and have English as a base language. It's yep. not uncommon, not even in Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. And, and it, all gets, it all gets saved down into transcripts, which are saved within the system. That you can perform analytics, and it's got things like sentiment analysis, so it can tell if the customer is very positive or very negative or shades in between. Um, the bit where the, the translation does fall down in is when you get into very technical terms. But yeah. let's face it, most translation doesn't cope particularly well with very technical terms. No, or perhaps some other domain medical terms or yep. what have you some specific domain then perhaps you have to actually have the agents that yes. write in the language the users are in and that's always good to have if you support a certain area be aware of the languages and perhaps india is the worst there <laughs> i mean i'm not sure if it's like 10 or 15 languages in one country but yes um it's a lot of languages. Yeah. I mean, I've I've done live demos with somebody typing in Japanese to me. Huh. I love doing that because I, I ride a Japanese motorbike, a Kawasaki. So I get somebody yeah. to type in Japanese and I type back in English and we see live translation feeds through it and it looks great. It can handle, you know, kanji characters and, and other stuff. So there are some limitations around things like Arabic and stuff, but again, capabilities are getting better and better all the time. Oh. And Microsoft's rolling out more languages. Do you feel that we missed anything to here today? Not specifically. No, I think it's a really great product. I've seen over and over again how it can enable and empower organizations. And again, that cohesive access to information for agents and capabilities just keep rolling out more and more over time. It's just will be interesting to see how Microsoft continue to develop it. Yeah. So where do I go from one and no more? Uh, well, I have to be slightly biased here because um, I talk about Omnichannel quite a bit on my blog uh, which which I've got a whole series around how to set it up in different capabilities. There are also Microsoft Docs is obviously a good place to go for some of the stuff. And there are one or two other people out there who also talk about Omnichannel. So yeah, more than happy to direct people to my blog. Yeah, so that would be the crm.ninja then. Indeed, the crm.ninja, which is my brand name. I am the CRM Ninja. Yeah. I'm I'm not sure why you didn't have that in your bio. Uh see, ninjas are very sneaky. We don't like letting people know that we're ninjas oh, until course, the right moment. Of course, of course. <laughs> yes, we can be sitting there in the room looking absolutely ordinary, and then you see us hanging from the ceiling an hour later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or or a blink later, right? <laughs> yes, or we just vanish. Um. So, do you have any public speaking scheduled? So, at this specific point in time, I don't have anything definitive that's penciled in. But I do speak at a couple of user groups a year and other events um, based here in the UK and do a variety of other stuff in the technical community. I'm part of a user group um, leadership here in the UK, one of the user groups whereby we help people with public speaking. Oh, 
That's nice. Who would yep. you recommend as a future guest for on this podcast? So I've taken a look at some of the people who are already on it, who have been on it. And I'm going to recommend somebody a little in a slightly different area because I think that they are absolutely amazing. And this isn't about a specific capability like omnichannel or sales or something else. But I'm going to recommend Mike Hartley. Don't know if you know Mike. He's based here in the UK. He's got a website, Heart of the Midlands. Uh, I'll send you the, his, his details afterwards. But Mike is passionate. I mean, the first time I saw Mike speak a couple of years ago, I thought there's a chap who is passionate about his work. But he's also recently been talking a lot about accessibility. And accessibility is really so important in the platform for people who are, you know, have problems reading or who have problems listening to stuff. So just about things like screen readers. And I mean, he's been helping me understand how I can put my communications better, like when I put tweets out or posts up on LinkedIn. Yeah. So I think Mike Hartley will be absolutely amazing to come on and just talk about how accessibility is so important and how to enable it, you know, for, for your audience. I would love to get an interjection afterwards so we can get him on the schedule. Sure. Absolutely love to. So, uh, and then links to self-promotion. We mentioned your blogs, but perhaps if someone wants to find you on Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube. So um, my brand is what I use for everything. So I'm on Twitter as the CRM Ninja. On LinkedIn, you can search for linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash the crm ninja or you can just search for ey kalman i have both on there uh on youtube i'm also the crm ninja and yeah i just keep the brand name across everything it just makes it a lot easier rather than having uh, disparate identities yeah but it's always convenient when it's available right if someone else hasn't sort of gone away and uh took this <laughs> I, I may have just reserved on a couple of other platforms for the future just in case yeah so you can get on uh, i don't know snapchat and be the serum ninja there as well <laughs> maybe maybe i there, there are too many platforms and, and stuff out there i try and keep it to enough that i stay sane yeah, you don't want to be omnichannel yourself then. Not quite, not quite. I do like being able to get to sleep occasionally at times rather than people picking me across absolutely everything at all hours of the day and night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right then. Thank you for your participation in CM Rocks, EY Kalman. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Marcus. And thanks to your listening. And don't forget, you can comment on serumrocks.com. And if you want to, um, and if you want to subscribe, just search for Serum Rocks in your favorite podcast player, and you will find it right there. See you next time on Serum Rocks. <laughs>